Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's see. This is going to be episode one of Rabble Rouser. Yes. That's such a fun name. It is. I love it. <laughs> uh, my name is Allie. My name is Rose. And we have very different political views. Yes, we do. But we're here to show you that communication can still be respectful. Yes. So, um, Rose, do you want to introduce yourself first? Um, or do you want me to? Did not think this through. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and start. Okay. Um, so I was in the military. Um, I am a Marine. I've been out for a couple years now. So my politics kind of formed while I was in. Um, I started out extremely Republican and then through life circumstances, what's kind of happened during and afterwards. I am independent, but I am still conservative leaning. Yes, I was not in the military. Um, I was married to a Marine, and I'm now with a Air Force vet. Um, I come from a very red state, but I have always been pretty middle of the road. Um, was taught at a very young age to question everything and develop my own thoughts and whatnot. And what I've come to realize is that is not necessarily the popular approach. Um, <laughs> so it's so very, <laughs> it's very rare that I actually agree with other people, but, um, I do love hearing other people's perspectives from different walks of life because obviously what's going to affect me is not going to affect everyone in the same way. So. Right. I wouldn't necessarily say I have a political party of any kind. I think politics in general are corrupt and need to be very critically examined. Um, if I was anything, I would probably be considered independent as well. Maybe leaning more Democrat. Yeah, it definitely depends on, like, there's not a lot that we agree on. So it really depends on the standpoint. But then there is a lot that we do agree on. Yeah, there is. So it's, I would definitely say that's a good breakdown. Yeah. And one of the things I truly uh, appreciate about you is that, you know, we can have these conversations and at the end of the day, we're still friends, <laughs> which in this day and age seems to be very rare. It's so impossible. <laughs> <laughs> like It's so impossible. Like it just, and I don't understand it, but. I appreciate you too, because we can sit down and have these. It, it's something that needs to be brought to light because we are in such a divide right now. And people think that this is something that cannot be done. Yeah. It just, people are way too, I think, focused on being right rather than being open. Right. Yeah. The open-minded people are definitely very closed off and it's it's disgusting <laughs> <laughs> yes yes so um so for i mean we can jump right in for our first our first episode we're yes. going to talk about a hot topic afghanistan <laughs> yes i thought that i had a viewpoint on afghanistan and then just looking up different things my mind is blown 
Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> so, and I know we looked at different, you and I looked up different things that had to do with it. So, yeah. Right off the bat, how do you feel about the way that we pulled out of Afghanistan? Well, I think, I think no matter what, we were very much in a doomed if we do, doomed if we don't situation. Um, I honestly never thought we should have went in in the first place. Um, so my opinion when 9-11 happened and everything else was uh, pretty unpopular at that time. I, I think it could have been handled better, but I don't necessarily know that I would say how that would have been. You know, everyone's putting it on America right now, but we weren't the only ones that pulled out. Um, everyone knew they had four months to figure it out and pull out. We've put 80 billion, I think, dollars into trying to establish a government and a working military and police force and everything in Afghanistan, not just us, obviously, you know, um, our allies helped as well. And then it, it all just fell apart because their president-elect decided to run. Right. And I don't think that's anything that we really had control over. Agreed. It, it, we really didn't have control over their actions and what they did after we pulled out. That was on them. Mine, before we decided to start this, was, it was similar. You know, like, we always we're the good guys that have to be there and help everybody. And some of the times it's just not our place. It's not our business. Um, I was very much against how we withdrew though. I felt like it was, it was a mess. It was a disaster. It was something that could have been avoided and handled differently. There was a lot of turmoil and chaos that came from it. Um, and it just, it wasn't great. Yeah. And it just, it's just not, <laughs> I've learned so much by going through this. Like it was still not a great way to pull out. It was still chaotic, but there's so much more that people just, that we're not being told. Um, and if we are, we're being told like some of this stuff is from so many years ago that we've probably forgotten about it. Yeah. I know I did. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of that is the, um, irresponsibility of the media because you know they were so pushing like oh no afghanistan's going well we're doing what we're supposed to be and we never were it was never going well but they wanted to make everybody feel better about it and so they were only showing a portion of what was really going on right in fact where you say it was never really going well the word stalemate was used often to describe what's been going on in Afghanistan since the 70s. Yeah. So stalemate, for those that don't know, just means you're neither winning or losing. <laughs> yeah. And, and process that, right? 9-11 uh, was 2001. Yeah. And you, know, you, I know, were blown away, and, and I slightly was too, that, you know, everyone's like oh this is a war that spanned four presidents like no no this has gone on for a lot longer yeah it's been eight presidents at least the lengthwise has been across eight presidents seven that i could find had something to do with their wars and what was what has been going on 
it's been crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, of course, the divide is always there of like, you know, America likes to to tote that we're this big power and that we need to bring democracy to all these places and help all these places. Um, But then if you really look at the reasons that we go into a lot of these places, they have nothing to do with stabilizing the country. They've got nothing to do with spreading a democracy that or public or, you know, anything that we're not even doing well is there's money and corruption behind all of it. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) One of the, I I was reading about like when we first went to Afghanistan and I was actually surprised to learn that it was the cold war. Um, And the only reason the U S was there helping out and they weren't there, they were sending aid. Um, They were helping out by sending them aircraft and missiles and different things. Um, But the only reason we were there was so that the Soviet union wouldn't invade. Yes. We weren't there because we wanted to be there. (laughs) That was the only reason that we were helping out. Yeah. And at the time we were helping the Islamic insurgents. Yep. Which today has become an issue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And for anybody who doesn't know, that was during the Carter administration, which is why I said it spans back eight presidents. Yeah, because a lot of when we went in, there was a lot of talk of, um, you know, George W. Bush isn't doing this because of the attacks. He's doing it to uh, save his father's face for his failure with Saddam. Right. And it, it goes back even further than that. It does. And what's even weirder that I found out is that Bush Sr. didn't have a lot to do with it. What happened with Bush Sr. was that the Soviet Union was dissolved on the U.S. terms. And so they were no longer occupying Afghanistan. That's not necessarily a win. It's not. (laughs) But that that was all I could find with Bush Sr. And I was surprised by that. Um, Growing up, that's what we were told. Bush Sr. was the one who started it. Yeah. And who had failed epically and the country was mad at him for the way that he handled things. And it was all hearsay. Yeah. It was all Which, propaganda. I mean, if people have different like sources and whatnot that, that they can show us, that'd be fantastic. But I tried to find sources that weren't like my, my history on it came from history.state.gov. Yeah, let, let me just say right now that neither Allison or I have a degree in political science or... <laughs> Or anything of that nature. Um, So we are not at all claiming to be experts on any of this. Um, This is just, these are the conversations that we have. And in having them, we we do. We both dig in. We both search different themes on it. We listen to different sources. I know, you know, I told you I'm I'm very pro listening to BBC News and, and, you know, Australia, news coming straight of Australia, like sources other than the U.S., Um, and so, you know, we are not claiming that we know everything for sure. Not at all, which I did take that into account. And I went to the BBC and I went to AP news and I got some information from both of those just so that I could add those in for you also. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Well, 
great to get, you know, the different perspective because again, like media in America has become very tainted and politically driven. It really has. And it's really sad. And, you know, not to say that Australia or British um, media doesn't have their own agenda either, but it at least gives a different viewpoint of it. Right. The viewpoint of people looking in and what they see when they look at America. Yeah. And I mean, Australia was one of the last countries to get all their people out. You know, they, I think they had the last flight uh, before everything really closed down and, and Kabul fully fell. So they've got very interesting perspectives on what's going on. They do. So I couldn't find out when Australia pulled out, but I found out when a lot of the other countries did. And that, that brings me on another like topic. We were, the media especially, like we've been being fed that Biden pulled out without a plan. And then their defense is, well, we pulled out with Trump's plan. Yeah. Which (laughs) neither is true. Biden had a plan. It wasn't Trump's plan. But he did have a plan. And we're being, there wasn't one. Yeah. Which was weird for me because I I honestly thought that he just went in and said, well, I got to do it. So let's pull it out. And that just... I don't know. Wasn't true. He didn't have a good plan, in my opinion. (laughs) But he did have a plan. (laughs) Um, He met with NATO. They came up with the timeline together. So it, yes. There was one place. And that was another point, too, is like, you know, I, I blame this country for a lot of things. Don't get me wrong. I think we meddle in way more things than we should. But you know, he said back in May, we're going to be out by 9-11-2021. And he had already met with NATO at that point. Australia knew that was the timeline. Brits knew that was the timeline. Um, you know, the Canadian, like everybody that was there knew that was the timeline. They did. And, and they were told in April. Yeah, April. Thank you. And, you know, like, technically speaking, if you look back, 2014, was when theoretically the fighting stopped and everyone was there just to help stabilize. So what have all these countries, including us, been doing for seven years that failed so terribly? Right. And it's it's funny that you mentioned that because it's not funny. I mean, I'm glad you did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've had a couple moments where there has been a good opportunity to pull out a couple Um, The first one I found, I believe, was under Bush Jr. And so we all know September 11th, Bush brought us over there because of the Twin Towers. And he, the Taliban refused to extradite Osama bin Laden. And that's the reason. And then there was a lot that went on. So he started October 7th, 2001. That's when Operation Enduring Freedom started. And in May of 2003, that is when the Pentagon came out and said that the major combat in over there was, it was over. And mm-hmm. so all that they were doing was working on reconstructing, reconstructing the country and installing a new government in May of 2003. Yeah. Which was partially true, but the United States was still carrying out operations, you know, in search of bin Laden. Yes, they were. Um, On their own, they had moved into Pakistan, Iran. We also started war with both of them in the meantime as well. 
Um, so it there was a lot, and then we found uh, Osama bin Laden in two thousand and I know I have it. It's by the Navy SEALs in two thousand and eleven in May. Yes, under and Obama. Found, and they found him in Pakistan. Yeah, because they knew that's where he had fled. Yeah, after all the other times that he fled. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but under Bush Jr. That's the first time when they said there was no major combat. And then at the end of his, that's when they, the Taliban started to stage a full insurgency. They just started to try to take over everything. And that's what Obama kind of inherited with that. So we started pulling troops out under Bush Jr. And then the Taliban started taking over. So Bush Jr. sent more troops back in. And then Obama, when he got in, he sent even more troops back over. Yeah, and there's an argument to be made that um, for those Afghans that didn't want us there, um, that might have actually driven more people toward, you know, Al-Qaeda and all that because we were again, overstepping our boundaries. I don't know if that argument's right, but that right. argument has been made. I can see why you why you get there. I mean, especially if we're the ones that are considered making it worse. Yeah. So I can see, I can see where you get that. Because it was I our don't... continued airstrikes that were still killing off civilians. Yes. Yeah, there was a lot. <laughs> there was a lot. They lost millions of people yeah um so when obama did that he did also put in there a withdrawal timetable to be pulled out in 2011 yes because of what kind of what you're saying but on top of that they also wanted to let the afghanistan government know that like they can't be dependent on us they need to start stepping it up Mm -hmm. because we're going to pull out by by 2011 yeah um, but by August of 2010, we were up to 100,000 troops there. Well, and that's the thing. Like, again, we were, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because had we pulled out at that timeline, we'd have got just as much flack for pulling out now, 10 years later. We would have. Um, there is some speculation that Obama only put the timeline to, to retain support from the Democrats. Again, that's speculation. Um, yeah. It's in a paper from Duke University. So it's not, it's, it's another opinion. But there is speculation that that is the only reason why he put the 2011 timeline on there. That almost makes sense. The only reason I wouldn't say that makes sense, because that was right before re-election. And so he would have known if he hadn't held true to that, that it could backfire and cause him to lose support right so in the paper it says that he he did that to gain or to retain support and that his plan all along was to to start in 2011 and then have them all out by 2014 gotcha okay so he had a plan to still kind of include that number but he only threw that date out for support and again speculation i don't know if that's true i mean 
I believe it. It was a very logical sound conclusion of why he would throw that out when it was so close. Yeah. And then there was debate back and forth on what that meant. Um, And at one point they did come out and say that that was the date it would start the withdrawal. And then they would finish by 2014. So it, yeah. And I bring that up because Biden, when he was vice president under Obama, he wanted that every single troop out by 2011. Yeah. He didn't want them to continue pushing it. He didn't want them to cancel it. He was adamant with Obama that they were out in 2011. And that is one of the policies that Obama refused to listen to him on. And so 2015, Obama said withdrawal was, it just wasn't feasible. And he left just under 10,000 troops over there. And Biden was not happy. He made it very well known, which I forgot about that. (laughs) Same. I forgot all about that. And then I was reading it and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was a big deal. (laughs) I will say I was not in the States around that time. I really wasn't paying too close of attention to what was going on politically over here. It was, there was a lot. I mean, that's, that's when a lot of the division was amplified by the media. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot. I mean, today is a lot, but that was a lot too. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I know one of the things we wanted to talk about was the different like plans that the presidents had to pull out. Yeah. And Obama's plan was pretty simple. 18 months starting with very limited numbers withdrawn to be complete. And then as he was pulling out, um, the Taliban started taking over some of the small tribes that were going on. And that's why he just said withdraw is just not, it's just not feasible. It's just not going to happen safely. Yeah. Which I think was a prudent move on his part. I do think that that's something a lot of people can agree with. It really was. And then Trump got in office and said the same thing. 2017, he said withdrawal just, it was not possible yet. So he, I, he, I mean, he got on a lot. And yeah. then it took him a couple years. He did something. I know a lot of people are like, well, why did he do that? And he got a lot of flack over it. Instead of making a deal with the Afghanistan government, he got with um, the Taliban and tried to make a deal with the Taliban. Yeah. From a strategic point, now that I see what he was trying to do and kind of what happened, I understand completely. I do to an extent. Um, at the same time, I, I think it was a misplaced trust. Yeah. They do put that into what they say about it as well. Um, it definitely was misplaced. 
what happened so february 20 is when they made the deal and basically he said we'll pull troops out if you reduce your violence and you cut ties to terror groups yeah and that was the big if and he said they would be pulled out by may of 21 so that was over a year and it was okay for a while but after on CNN, they said after 2021 started, the Taliban gained strength and then they just kept attacking. Yep. So they were worried. Part of what they were telling Biden was that they were worried if they stayed past Trump's day, that the Taliban would retaliate and start attacking U.S. troops. That's what they were concerned with. They are not known for forgiveness. Um, So, you know, it was a valid concern. But they're also not known for holding up any end of their deal. Like, they wanted control. Exactly. And and that's the thing. There was no deal that could have been struck with that kind of thinking. Right. It should have been documented. It should have, like, there should have been things done. Yeah. To make sure that it wasn't going to happen. Now, one of the things that I, I think is I'm still really confused about, and I kind of want to look into a little bit more, the Taliban's fighting to regain, and, and they did, control. Um, back in the 70s, when the U.S. was helping so that the Soviet Union wouldn't have control, once the Soviet Union was dissolved, the Taliban is who had control. Mm-hmm. So it's... <sighs> it's a power play. The Taliban had control and then they were overthrown by some of the smaller tribes that kind of banded together. And then it's been in civil war for since the nineties. Yeah. So it's kind of, I'm confused and I want to look into it more because it's like, well, if the Taliban had control after the Soviet union, then what made the Taliban so extreme and kind of what led them that direction? Because I know they split in two different, two different sides back in the 70s. And that's what started everything with the Soviet Union, with their civil wars. They split into two groups. One group that was the Islamic insurgents that wanted to keep it to themselves. And the other group that wanted the support from the Soviet Union. And they just couldn't, they couldn't agree. And then the U.S. helps the Islamic insurgents get control But now (laughs) the group that we helped be able to get in and it's not the Taliban wasn't created for a couple years after, but we helped them in a sense. And now they're, they're the ones that we're trying to get back out. Yeah. So the Afghanistan people have a really torn and tattered history. And I don't even think that they know right now. Because there's so many different tribes and there's so many different religions. There's just so many different types of people. Yeah. But I don't think that they know what kind of a government they even want. I don't either. I think from a humanitarian standpoint, it's it's very hard to watch um, the fear of women and girls who have been removed from their jobs and told, you know, go home and one of your male relatives can take your job. And, you know, they, they've said they want boys and girls to be 
educated and, ha- you know, they want a highly educated country and everything like that. But I mean, women are, are still going to be oppressed under their rule. They will be. And you know, that is just terrible. <laughs> it is. It is. But, and not even a, but like, but is the wrong word. Cause I don't want to discredit anything that you just said. Um, so before the Taliban even got in, there were 6 million refugees in the late eighties that, that left because of that. Mm-hmm. They didn't like what was going on with the Soviet union. They didn't like that. The cold war was going on for so long. They, they didn't like it. 6 million refugees in the yeah. late eighties. That's insane. And that's why anytime anyone says, you know, like, oh, we shouldn't be taking refugees, we shouldn't be, you know, letting immigrants come in, whatever argument you want to make on that. Like, we caught, we helped cause this situation. At some point, we do have a bit of a responsibility to try to help the people whose lives we have literally just destroyed, who now feel like they were nothing more than a political experiment. Right. We do. We absolutely do. One of the things that was in Trump's, um, his plan was to get everybody out of there. Every single person was to get out of there. And then with the deal that he made, the Taliban was supposed to not harm anybody, including the Afghanistans that were helping us out. They were supposed to just find a way to band together with the Afghanistan government and make an interim government that would help everybody. Yeah. But again, that deal was made with known liars. And it's the Taliban. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, and it's not just us. Other countries are trying to get them out as well. I know Australia government has been working to try to get some of the people out that help them a lot. And it's just not happening. Right. Well, and Biden recently came out and said that there wouldn't be help at all. And that anybody who was helped out by the private sector, they couldn't come to the U.S. Yep. And that's what I have a problem with. I, I'm okay with refugees if there's really no other option. They're a true refugee, you know? Mm-hmm. I have no problem I, with that. This I, is and I agree problem. with you, but unfortunately, that's not a popular opinion in this country. I mean, it's let's really be honest. Not. It's really not. That's why we have open borders right now that are being flooded. It, yeah. It's not. In Afghanistan's case, we are, we've been there long enough that it is partially our responsibility and they are, they are welcome to come. The issue I have right now is that they're not being vetted the way that the government said that they would vet them. Yeah. And that's an issue. And Um, and globally, again, not just us. Right. Um, We we ran into that problem after 9-11 though. We had... Mm-hmm. Um, people that were coming in not be through Canada and down and they were starting small terrorist groups in the US ISIS was one of them they yeah. infiltrated a ton of American cities and a ton of Canadian ones they did it, it was it was a time when Obama put the what was it the red flag or whenever you notice something online that seems terrorist you can report it Oh, yeah. I forgot about that's, that completely. That's when that was put in. It's It's been a lot. 
So that's, yeah, that's my that's, only concern. And again, the problem with that is you're going to have people, you know, you're, you're going to have the, the Karens of the world who just want to report anybody who doesn't agree with them. That's true. I wish that Karen was actually Sharon because every time I hear Karen, I just want to Ozzy Osbourne. Sharon! <laughs> I just think it's it's Karen. It's funny that's Karen now because in our day it was Heather. Yeah, <laughs> Heather, the Heathers. Yes, all of them. Ugh. Give Heather a break, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing is like it's so easy for people to sit there and you know criticize the governments and the military and everything else. And then they're just adding to the problem when they, you know, say these these terrible things against immigration and, you know, build the wall and all that nonsense. Like, you're just adding fuel to the fire. So, you know, are you going to take the humanitarian stance? (laughs) Yeah. Right. In this case, we should take the humanitarian stance. They should be allowed to come on over. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I think that they should. Especially since a lot of them, they helped us. Mm-hmm. And even if they didn't help us, if they weren't part of the groups that were attacking us, they don't deserve to be attacked in retaliation. They just don't okay. deserve that. So there's it's so Biden's plan. He came in and said, OK, September 11th, 2021, that's what we're doing. And in the beginning, they told him it was okay, but, like, kind of watch what you're doing. Yeah. Since April, since his meeting with NATO in April, he had been advised multiple times that there was going to be a collapse if we pulled out. And then the part that I found interesting, we, we didn't hear about this until, like, a week before the withdrawal, and everybody was freaking out, but it wasn't a withdraw it was an evacuation yeah and that was <laughs> cnn that reported that so august 15th is when the taliban took over kabul biden sent six thousand troops back to start the evacuation and to secure the airport yeah. it was no longer a withdraw He told everybody that like July something is when they needed to have everybody out. So Germany was out by June 30th. So was Poland, um, Portugal, Czech Republic, Slovenia, Finland, Albania, North Macedonia, Luxembourg. They were all out by June 30th. And there's a number of countries that were out before that. Yeah. And then the UK was one of the last ones. They were there till August 29th. And then so was um, Australia, but I don't know the exact date. You said they were one of the last ones. So I'm assuming the 31st as well as us. I believe so. I'd have to go back and check the dates, but. Somewhere um, between there. Yeah, somewhere in there. So that, that upset me because we're evacuating and securing the airport, but we weren't, we weren't being told the full truth on that. It was still the withdrawal. It was all going to be okay. Everything was going to work out. And the whole time, 16 days before that August 31st deadline, the Taliban had already taken over. Mm -hmm. 
and they were smart about it. They started in the South where, you know, um, there was an Australian reporter who had gone to visit the Afghans that were, you know, fighting to keep Afghanistan and they had no food. They weren't getting help from their president because he was just holding on to the money. Yep. You know, like, I mean, the government started corrupt. Now, did anyone expect him to run? I don't think so. But he already was not giving the support to the country that he was supposed to be giving. Right. And that's something that happened in the past as well. Um, That happened under Reagan as well. With the Soviet Union and the Cold War, they were told that this was going to end. We weren't going to support you after so long. So you've got to start standing on your own. Um, I believe the Soviet Union kind of told them the same thing. And they just... They did not handle their own. Yeah. So there has always been a need for support because they do, they need a new government. But how long, you know, how long can we, how long can we help? Mm-hmm. We've been there since the seventies. The Soviet Union union was there since the fifties. Yeah. This is 70 years later. <laughs> what like what can we do but it sucks so what we can do is we can help those people out and we can bring them over we can let them be refugees we can let them into a good country yeah because this is it's kind of a a pakistan um is it israel situation where like uh, oh yeah. yeah yeah where you know they they're always fighting yeah, the Middle East and Israel, they're, it's nuts. It's all crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there, but I'm really glad that I live over here. <laughs> well, and again, like you don't know because so much is not reported accurately. Right. You know, for 20 years, we've been fed this <sighs> picture that right. things are going the way we want and things are going to get better. And just magically, they're just magically going to get better and they're right. getting better, but they're really not. And, you know, no one wants to talk about what's really going on because it makes us look bad. Right. Well, and then yeah. we're, we're spoon fed that it's his fault. No, it's his fault. No, it's his fault. Yeah. Yeah. The finger pointing is. Ugh. And that's party wide. It doesn't matter what party you're in. Yeah. If you're a Republican, it's a Democrat's fault. If you're a Democrat, it's the Republican's fault. Yeah. It's it's been 70 years. Like, come on, we've had both Democrats and Republicans in. I think it's safe to say that at this point <laughs> they have to take some blame as well. They're the government has to take some blame. Yeah, and the that's Afghan the thing. It's not government. it's not the Afghan people that didn't have the will to fight. Right. Because they do. But they weren't being being supported by their government to get the resources they needed. Right. And this whole narrative that, oh, this is the longest war in American history. No, it is not. This is, it's been, well, and it wasn't even classified as a war. Yeah. The Cold War was, but then the war after that was not. With Bush Jr., it was, it was never declared a war. It was always no. Operation Enduring Freedom. It was never Operation, or it was never Enduring Freedom War. It was never considered a war. Yeah, it was the war on terror, just like the war on drugs. Like, it was right. 
a mediocre yeah. term intentionally. Right. Now, Afghanistan, they called it the Afghan War, but that only lasted until 1992. Mm-hmm. So, and that was the Afghan War, not, you know, not our war. It was, we were helping or trying to, so we thought. Yeah. So it's just, it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's I, a domino effect of bad decisions made out of political desire and political power plays. It is. One of the things that I wish Biden would have realized or would have like latched onto, but I have a theory for why he didn't. Um, so as the other countries were pulling out, that's when the Taliban was taking over different tribes and coming up. So when one of the countries would pull out of the Southern tribe, they would take over that tribe and then they work their way up. Like you said, Mm -hmm. he should have noticed this isn't working. Every time another country pulls their troops out, the Taliban's taking over and he should have done the same thing that Obama did. And the same thing that Trump did. We have to put this off. We have to make sure to get everybody out. We have to make sure that they are all safe. Yeah, because and, there were and had he done that, troops. yeah, and had he done that, he would be getting flack right now for not pulling us out. <laughs> There's no winning when you're a president. <laughs> yeah, but I well, think there's no winning when you start an unwinnable fight, which is what this has always been. Right, but I think he would have gotten less flack given that he would have been the third president to say that it wasn't feasible. And you I might be right. If he would have just still said there was going to be a withdrawal, but said, hey, we noticed this is happening, so our withdrawal is going to get extended. Instead yeah. of just not feasible. Because by the time we got to our 2,500 troops that were left, 7,000 troops from other countries were pulled. And that's why the Taliban gained control. So if we just, let's see, some of the first ones, Spain, Belgium, and Sweden, if they pulled out and we noticed that the territories they were helping out with got overran, if we just said, hey, you know what? Let's slow down a little bit. Let's kick this back, take it a couple more months and see what happens. I think that we would have gained control a lot longer and it wouldn't have turned into an evacuation. Yeah. On that subject, let's talk about something that I know um, bothers you. <laughs> And that is the equipment. Ooh, I went through the equipment. Mm-hmm. I have a list. <laughs> <laughs> I did because it so, and this is one of the ones that I made sure to pull from the BBC because you know we are not being told everything here. Oh, yeah. Um, General McKenzie said that all of the equipment that we left was decommissioned and none of it was operable that we left. There were 73 aircraft, uh, over a hundred vehicles and some other equipment. We left it there. It was all decommissioned. What nobody has told us, the equipment that was left there is the equipment that we gave to the Afghanistan government for them to do what they want or not to do, not to do what they want for them to hold their own, to do how they were going to do with the war and try to help them out with our equipment. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were never trained how to decommission. I don't know if they were told to decommission, but when they were getting taken over and fleeing and all that, 
whoa, there was 167 aircraft that the Taliban has seen pictured with. Mm-hmm. 43 MD-530 helicopters, 33 C-2081AC-208 planes, uh, 33 Blackhawks, 23 light attack planes, 32 hel- M-17 helicopters, 3 Hercules, <laughs> and then they have at least 3,598 M-4s, at least, and then more than 2,500 Humvees and up to 16,000 night vision goggles. All that we let the Afghan government use, they got left behind, not decommissioned, that the Taliban now has. And they have had pictures taken with them in control of these, these equipment pieces. And it, like, that's billions of tax dollar money right there. Yeah. Now, in the now let's be honest. This is not the first time that America has equipped another country with... Not war equipment that has then been used against us. This is not the first time. And let's be honest, it's not the first time that we've equipped the Taliban. Exactly. With equipment. Now, I don't think that they've, you know, I I truly want to believe (laughs) that, you know, to the best of the knowledge at the time, those in charge did believe in some way that the Afghan army, the Afghan military, the police would hold their own. Another part of me thinks that they really should have known better. Right. And should have done more of, you know, following up on these stories. Um, Like I said, um, the Australian reporters were very good about getting in the depths of things and getting true stories. And, noticing that, you know, hey, the Afghan military is not getting fed. They're not getting supplied. They're not getting any of the money that is supposed to be going to them to help them fight. It wasn't that they didn't have the will to fight. They are unmanned. They were malnourished. They weren't getting the support from their government that we were supposed to be there to help make sure could take over. Right. And that is the uh, like complete failure on the part of everyone else involved was just ignoring those warning signs completely. Right. And even with ignoring it, if they would have paid attention to the Taliban's movements at the beginning of pulling out all the other troops, they could have redeemed themselves because it didn't have to go to that extent. So if they did ignore it, if they didn't want to see it, if they if they were naive to the fact that the Taliban was going to take over, as soon as they started pulling tre- troops and you see that they are taking over, something should have been done. Agreed. Before all of that. I mean, that that's that's a lot. 167 aircrafts, almost 4,000 weapons, 2,500 vehicles, and 16,000 night vision goggles. I couldn't find anything on the biometrics that they're saying. I don't, I don't necessarily not believe that they have it um, because it is being reported. I just couldn't find anything that wasn't a news article. Yeah. So I didn't bring those up because it's the media. Yes. <laughs> We've already established where we stand with them. Yeah. So the one thing with that... 
so I, I said I was going to bring this up with Biden later. My, I think that Biden, I think that his withdrawal was completely personal. I think it was completely selfish. And I think he was trying to stick it to, um, to Obama. I think that he was trying to say, watch me withdraw these troops and everything be fine. Like you should have done in 2011. Like I advised you to. I can see that um, our, our government for a long time has been unfortunately ruled by the egos of those in charge. It has. And he was very adamant before that they be taken out. And then he comes in and he takes them out without any, we still have a thousand Americans over there. And then supporters, we're being told that there's thousands of supporters that are there, a thousand Americans that are still over there. And he, he wanted to stick it to Obama. That's again, that's my theory. I don't know if it's true, but if you listen to that man, he is arrogant. And I could see that being his motivation. Yeah, I mean, I 100% prefer Biden to Trump. I could not stand Trump as a person or a politician. Um, But I did. He's done some things that have really made me shake my head. And one of the ones was a couple days ago, I think. He had done a press conference where he basically told, you know, directly to the Taliban pretty much. Um, that we weren't going to forgive, we weren't going to forget to strike back at us, we would retaliate. And I was like, you're literally saying the same thing that George Bush, George W. Bush said that got us into this mess in the first place. Right. Like, we, we can't keep doing this eye for an eye nonsense. Right. Yeah, he vowed payback. Yeah. He said, we will pay you back for those attacks. Which... Uh, for the for the family members that lost somebody, I get that. Like, that's probably good for them to hear. But why are you going to say, we're going to have payback for these deadly attacks and then continue to do what you're doing? Like, there has been no change. He still did the withdrawal or the evacuation. He still isn't doing anything about the refugees that are left over there or the a thousand Americans that are left over there. He's doing the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. We're going to retaliate. We're going to get you. There's going to be payback. If you come after us, we'll hit you full force. Oh, but anybody in the private sector that wants to go save our people, they're not welcome here. Yeah. What kind of. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. And I know that, I know I did not support Trump the first time around because I thought the same thing that I'm saying about Biden right now, but I did the second time because I think with all the vulgarities he said, that is not something he would have ever said. I would disagree. Um, But that's kind of how this, this whole podcast came about too, was that you and I do have vastly different opinions on the Trump presidency because of the way it's, it's, personally affected your situation. And I understand that. And I don't think any less of you for that. And I think that is one of the biggest problems that we have here at home is that so many people, if you say you voted for Trump or you voted for Biden, then all of a sudden you're the enemy. All of a sudden. Yeah. And it's like, you're an idiot or a terrorist or a racist. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it just this whole party loyalty in itself i think is bad like i think you should do exactly what you did and you know look at what is going to personally help your life um and you know unfortunately the truth of the matter is democrats tend to focus more on social issues whereas republicans tend to focus more on the financial sector um right. well and if we get even if we get out of if we get out of just people in general the democrats they do more social programs and then the republicans help out with the troops and the veterans yeah if you just go on like broad base of people because financial financials can be argued either way depending on what your end goal is true so it and yes, since we since we bring it up, everybody, I voted for Trump because he gave me back some of the benefits that I had lost in the previous administration when I became a veteran. Um, I was under I was still enlisted when Obama was elected in and also became a veteran under Obama. And a lot of things were taken away from me during that time that Trump gave us back and made better. So that's what that's what Rose is referring to. Yeah, and I have always said and, and I probably will always believe this unless I get hard, accurate, non-biased data to prove me otherwise. Um, I believe that Obama had the best of intentions with Obamacare. I just don't think he was getting good advisement. I think he really thought it was going to help more people than it ended up helping. Right. And and we've had this conversation. I think that the issue doesn't necessarily lie with the presidents. I think it lies with um, the elite, the big corporations, big pharma, the um, the lobbyists. I think it. I think a lot of it has to do with them. Um, so you had mentioned like his hands were kind of tied, and and I think they were. But I don't think that a president should have the option to ever be bought out. I don't think any of our politicians should be as right. rich as they are and be in an office as long as they are. Right. Um, you know, it, it, especially, and I know we're going to get into this in the later podcast. I'm not going to go too much into detail about it, but you know, I don't want some 80 year old career politician deciding what I should or should not do with my body. Right. But that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother day. <laughs> it is. We are getting into that later. Yes. Podcast, what, episode three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, kind of in episode two as well, depending on true. how you look at that. This is uh, true. So, it, yeah, I don't either. I don't think that big corporations that profit off of us not doing well should have a say. I don't think that, like you said, 80-year-old politicians politicians like biden's in this and he's been mad about this for years and he's been in politics for decades <laughs> yeah there like- i do want to clarify something real real fast because i can already hear it because i've already been accused of it i do not support a full-blown socialist driven uh government any more than i support a fascist government See, and I, I, I don't you, think America works that. in the socialist environment. Um, but I think that there are benefits that can be had from a reworked system. And, you know, for everyone who 
makes the argument that socialism is a terrible thing. Like, cool. Let me stop paying social security then. Right. Let me keep my money. (laughs) And here's like, here's another reason why we started it. I hate that you have to come on here and say, let me just clarify that I don't stand for this. I like, you have to sit here and say, I don't stand like, this isn't something that I fully support, but I think we can rework it. And I have to sit here and say, I'm not a freaking racist, man. Like, yeah, (laughs) the fact that we have to say these things in today's society is ridiculous. Yeah. I I 100% agree. But I have been trolled on almost every single social media platform because of something that I have said that someone has taken the wrong way. And so, you know, the the point of our podcast is not to feed the trolls. It's right for anybody who has an open mind, wants to hear other sides of the story and, you know, make your own informed decision. Like we are not here to change anyone's mind about anything. We are just here to discuss this for really our own mental health. And because it's one of the things that makes our, our friendship really, really great is that we can have these discussions. Right. And like, I'm not going to come out and, and insult you for it. And you're not going to insult me and we're not going to bring things in question. Yeah. Like, like you said, I, the equipment was really, really heated for me because again, I was military. I know what goes into that. I know how many dollars go into that. And the government doesn't pay for that. We do. The American people pay for that. Yeah. So, and that's where, like, I just think that we need to get power back to the people and we need to get it out of big corporations. We need to remind these guys that, hey, guess what? Even though I feel like, Biden, you're being really selfish and want to stick it to Obama, that shouldn't matter. It shouldn't be about you. And we should have the power to say that. Yeah. Good. Um I, I do not support the January 6th nonsense. I, I don't think that was the way to go about it. I don't support the 2020 nonsense. I don't think any of the last two years has been anything, you know? Like, you know, I, I can actually agree with that statement. <laughs> I really can. We're just, we're, we're acting like children. Uh-huh. Like, come on, America. We're better than that. Well, and that, that was my problem when all of this started, too, is everyone was so up in arms of how could this happen? How could anybody dare come against us? And it's like, again, my opinion was unpopular at the time, but my, my remarks back then were, what do you expect? We have done nothing but put our nose in other people's business and tout how great we are nonstop. And you really thought at some point someone wasn't going to go them i don't like what they're doing and i'm gonna get back at them like that is just human hubris at its ultimate right and we do and and it's and it's still funny to me on the same topic that they say like why is anybody coming after the u.s like not every country is our ally we have Mm -hmm. enemies yeah this isn't like the u.s is better than everybody in world domination that's not how it works no we have allies and we have people that they're not really, you know, enemies, but they're not our allies either. And if there was a war, we, they would become our enemies. Yeah. And a lot of our allies now are really questioning why they're our allies. Especially after the UK and yes. Germany. And- <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you can't, you really can't blame them. I mean, you can, it's, you know, your prerogative, but right. if you really look at it, 
they do have valid reasons to kind of distrust us. They Not do. just now. I mean, especially now, but you know, this is, this is the catalyst. This is not the cause. Right. Right. And my only issue with that is that, you know, so on a different victims advocate here, blah, blah, blah. America does sit here and tout that we are the best. Um, And my only like rebuttal that I can even come to think of with that is that all of these countries that pulled out, like I'm putting a lot of the blame on the Biden administration for not, uh, not noticing the Taliban was taking over and stopping them pulling out, but neither did any of these other countries. Yeah. They were also dependent on getting out before the U S got out. So yeah. even though we're not the greatest and we do tout ourselves, like we tout ourselves as if we are every single country had a right to stay there and help out. And they all put their dependency on us. Yeah. And, and that's why I say it's not just um, America's fault, but returning to your point of, you know, we've been there since the seventies and we were never taught that there's a lot that we are not taught about our actual history. Right. And I, you know, I was that's a whole nother we issue there for Bush or Bush senior. Like, yeah. And Carter is the worst president and people like you would think that they would walk around saying that he's the worst president and also this, but no Bush senior got that. And it was Carter's fault. Yeah. <sighs> I did also I, find out though, that Reagan was trying to work peace with the Soviet union to try to end the cold war in Afghanistan. And then I did find out that just Bush senior did make it a lot worse. He got in and basically said, Nope, not doing any of that. Yeah. So he did make it worse, but he wasn't actually, one that kept him there or put him there or anything yeah <sighs> but that's what we were told yeah and, and that's the thing and that's um one of the things that one of my other friends had brought up is that you know when we grow up we are again we are not taught american history we are taught a very specific version of american history that i won't go into any further depth on that one on this particular episode right um to where we're and I don't want to use this term, but basically brainwashed into yeah. we're the best. It's political manipulation. Yeah. And so, you know, if you grow up your entire life being told you're the best, if anyone disagrees with you, you're not going to believe them. Right. Except now they're trying to tell us that, like, we're not a good country. It's not a great place to be. Everything's worse. And if you have patriotism, then you're a racist. So, like, they're trying to change it. They're trying to. I hate this word. I hate this word, but it's so appropriate. <laughs> They're gaslighting American citizens. Mm-hmm. And I hate that word. I can't stand that word. But to sit well, here and I- say, you know, we're the best country. We're the best country. This is all the things we do. And then all of a sudden you're a racist for thinking that we're the best country. We're the best country. And this is all we do. I think a lot of that's media driven. Um, and and I I hate the phrase cancel culture, Yeah, but because usually when someone uses it, I'm just like, okay, I already know that you're not going to listen to reason, but there are many things in our past that are very screwed up that no one talks about. Yeah. And do I think that we're as racist as the media likes to make us believe? No, but do I think there are systemic issues that need to be addressed? Absolutely. See, and we just think they're on different levels. Yeah. Um, we just think that that, that stems from a different place. Um, but I that's a cop-out. 
it, no, because I put it higher. I put it clear up in the beginning or clear up at the top. The people that have the most money, the most control over our country. Like we talked about the Constitution and how um, you feel the Constitution is racist. And I said, I feel it's people implementing the Constitution that are racist. It's not the Constitution that I feel is racist. I think it's funny when people point to the Constitution, when the Constitution was written at a time when women didn't have rights. Right. No, Africans didn't have rights. The natives didn't have rights. And that is my problem. The Declaration of Independence refers to the natives, the indigenous people, as savages. It does. And And then we're told, you know, oh, celebrate July 4th. And, you know, the whole principle of July 4th is that a lot of members of America are not recognized by that declaration. Right. And there's there's presidents that have quoted racial things. Yes. Um, that are, it's crazy to me. I found a quote that from a president that was extremely racist and, and it was in a national park still displayed. And I was like, I'm very surprised that that has not been taken down yet. Yeah. Uh, but that's for a whole different, <laughs> yeah. different episode. So I won't, a whole other episode. won't bring that one up, but yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's crazy what's happened. Now I do also think that we have, we have racist ties, like you said, and we have been that racist before. And the problem I have in today's society is that nobody is willing to acknowledge our growth. They're only wanting to acknowledge our history and say that it is the same way, basically. They're, they're drawing parallels. I don't think all the parallels are wrong, though. Which one? But I think a lot of that stems from both willful ignorance, which is terrible, but also a failure on the education system of only teaching a specific part right. of the history. And then you bring in the failure of the media that's also spoon-feeding everything hoping that people will just believe what they're putting out and i do like that people are starting to realize just how corrupt the media is as well yeah um this this afghanistan event helped out with a lot of that yeah and and i really hope that you know if anything it, it does help people wake up and and be a little more critical of what they're being fed right don't just believe everything that you see yeah. And, you know, we had this discussion when, we, when you were looking stuff up, too, is like you can Google anything and you can find articles that will feed whatever argument you're trying to make. Right. But if you go deeper and actually look at things the way right. that they really were and in a open minded and neutral position, you right. learn a lot more. Yeah. Don't don't Google. Get a secure browser and search that's how i found it yep because before when i was just googling it was the new york times it was washington post it was all it was was media outlets so it which i did pull a couple media outlets but that was that was because i wanted to see what they had to say and then i liked the stories that they they wrote so (laughs) yeah Um, and not all of them are bad like you know i'm not saying that either but no, no, anything I agree. Value. I agree. Like, I 100% agree. Um, 
because it is just like you've got to look in different sources, man. Like I said, history.state.gov, that was one. And I couldn't pull that up on Google. Yeah. I had to pull that up on a secure browser. Yeah. Um, Which right there highlights the problems. Right? (laughs) I searched, (laughs) when did the U.S. first deploy to Afghanistan? Those exact words on Google and got September 11th, 2001 from all the news articles. So I went to a secure browser. Same thing. When did the U.S. first deploy to Afghanistan? History.us.gov, 1979. Yeah. Very different (laughs) narrative. Completely. So, and again, if you don't want to do all of that research and whatnot, just have a conversation that, that might intrigue you to, or might let you see a different viewpoint. That's what we're doing. Yep. I know I've grown. Cause again, like this blew my mind and this is only our first episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, like we both go into it knowing that, you know, I'm not trying to change your mind. You're not trying to change my mind. Right. We're just having a conversation and we've both learned perspectives from the other side. Right. Like I didn't go in this going, well, how am I going to prove that Trump was great? And you didn't go into this. How am I going to prove that Biden was? We went into this with, well, what, what, like, what was the withdrawal strategies from all the presidents and what is the truth? Yep. And here we are. (laughs) and guess what if trump runs next year against biden i'm still gonna vote for trump and you'll probably still vote for for biden unless there's a better candidate that comes along i wanted pete Buttigieg to be completely honest yeah i wanted him i liked him i am still very surprised that it wasn't him i'm not but but i i was sad when he when he uh dropped out but you know, yeah. and, I, and I have my own reasons for, for wanting him as well. Just, right. again, because of my particular vested personal views. Right. Um, yes. You know, I, 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 I never thought Biden was great. I just think Trump's terrible. <laughs> right. Well, and unfortunately, that's, that is why, why I feel like he got voted in. He got voted in because he wasn't Trump. Yeah. And that's so sad. Like, well, I mean, even I, I would also Trump. argue that Trump got voted in because he wasn't Hillary. I mean, because I would, did not support Hillary. Right, I didn't either. So I can see that viewpoint because I know a lot of people did not. Um, it was not enough for me to vote for Trump. Yeah. Again, I voted for Bradford. I did not vote for Trump the first time. And that's the disheartening thing about our elections, though, is that if you vote for anyone who isn't either Democrat or Republic, even though we're supposed to be more than a two-party system, it, when is it going to happen? When are we going to have an actual independent or, you know? Right. And, and I don't have an answer because, like again, everyone is so party-driven and wants to be part of something bigger that they don't do their research. Um, politicians, I think, campaign for way too long. Right. And, you know, toward the end, I mean, it was just who can slander who better. Right. And once your argument breaks down into attacking someone's personal appearance, you've lost me. Yeah. And they did that on both sides. Yeah. Both sides. We've, and that's the thing, like people are right now calling Trump um, Hitler, but like, I remember a time when we called Obama Hitler. Yeah, I think 
I think in general, especially with the mask mandates and everything, people have gotten way too loose with comparing other Americans to Hitler or Nazis or anything else. And that to me is just despicable. It is. Yeah. We shouldn't be comparing to something that awful. Yeah. And especially with something as, and I, and I know people are, are split on this. I don't really, I'm kind of neutral on it, to be honest, but like, especially mass mandates, like if you're going to compare anything to Nazis, let's talk residential schools. Let's talk 6,000 plus children found in mass graves from residential right. schools, you know, because that then compare. we can talk genocide, but mass yeah. mandates, eh, you're pushing it. Right. Which we're getting into like the vaccine and all that too. Yes. Um, we- next <laughs> week. <laughs> we're getting into all that next week because the, the mandates we also don't agree on. <laughs> but I would never in a million years compare that to the Holocaust ever. So I think you and I do agree fairly well on the on the mandates, but we'll see. <laughs> we do. That's true. I think so too. So all right. Well, that was fun. It was fun. And uh, I can't wait till next week. Same. But I have a kid that's telling me she's ready for bed. <laughs> Is that the cat or the actual kid? The actual kid. <laughs> the actual kid. Yes. So. Awesome. Well, as always, it's been a pleasure debating with you. You too. And, we and I'll talk to you later. Yes, ma'am. Hey, have a good night. All right. Rabble Rouser. Rabble Rouser. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.